Welcome to the 23rd episode of the Fantasy Sports Teams Podcast. I'm your host, Ron Ron. And my guest today, once again, Alex Mejia, a.k.a. Car Guy NYC. Alex, welcome back on the show. Part two of our fantasy baseball, Sleepers and Busts. But before we get to that, uh, first wanted to start off because it's the second day of NFL free agency. Quote, unquote, NFL free agency because technically they're not supposed to... Uh, Signed players yet until I, I want to say Thursday. We're recording this on a Tuesday night. And, uh, you know, we have a lot to talk about here. First off, the Jets, they signed uh, Carl Lawson, pass rusher, Corey Davis, wide receiver. Still more moves to be made. They still have a lot of cap space. But so far, how are you feeling? How you, like, how do you feel about the move so far? Uh, well, thank you for having me back, Ronnie. I appreciate it, man. And um, definitely glad to be doing this with you once again. Um, with the Jets, uh, I will say that I, I felt good. Just forget what who we signed and everything. Just the fact that we're making moves. You know, we got the money available. We have to use it, so we're jumping on it right away. We're not going to sit around and wait for any one guy. Um, I think it was a good day. It was a solid day for the Jets. Uh, I like uh, I like Corey Davis. I think he could. I think he could be a very good number two receiver in the NFL. He doesn't really convince me. Obviously, as a number one. But I do like him as definitely as a number two. And obviously we have uh, we have a decent we can build a decent core. You know, we have Denzel Mims also on the squad. So he uh, has a lot of potential. So I look forward to those two together. I am hoping that we add a true number one, a.k.a. Kenny Galladay. So I'm looking forward to that. Uh, and then we got Carl Lawson as well, who. And we've been talking about this, and we, we we'll touch on it later. But he doesn't really. Uh, if you just look at sacks, he doesn't really um, cause a stir in any t- way, shape, or form. But if you watch the guy play, and if you look at advanced metrics, where they basically look at how much he's gone against, et cetera, versus other, he does pressure the passer a lot, and he did last year. So uh, that's a good sign for a guy who played on a really bad defensive line. So I'm looking forward to having him on. And we also got a, a linebacker from uh, Detroit that they're oh, actually big, yeah. has a lot of potential in Gerard Davis. So uh, looking forward to seeing what he turns out to be. Um, mentioning that we signed the linebacker, I will say that the one player that I've said from since last year that we need back is Neville Hewitt. And I don't think he gets enough recognition because he was absolutely amazing for us. So... This is, I'm glad you mentioned Kenny Galladay because yesterday the first reaction I got out of Corey Davis, which is, and I want to shout out my boy, the Goatee, because his initial reaction right away was because he was shitting on Corey Davis as far as a fantasy player in the middle of the year last year. And we were going back and forth. It was like, yo, like, you might not like the dude in, like, you know, as a player in real life or just because of what he's done in the past, but he was just producing for fantasy every week, especially in PPR leagues. He was getting five, six catches every week, yeah. seven yards, you know, like just like a solid, like wide receiver too, let's say. Yeah. Fantasy. And it's like the fact that he was shitting on Corey Davis, he was like, yo, that's the last receiver I want to just sign. <laughs> so then when that news came out, mind you, a few hours before that, we already knew that Nelson Aguilar got 13 minutes a year. So right then and there, which is, which is, which is crazy right? For, for the career he's had and, and the way it's gone for him since he entered the league, that's crazy. He got 13 mil, but Bill wasn't playing yesterday. Right. And, and that's called desperation. Right. But just off of that, you kind of knew like, whoa, so 
these guys are going to get paid. Like, these receivers, have got, if Aguilar's getting 13 million a year, so when you look at that contract, aside from Corey Davis, you know, I'd rather pay Corey Davis that money. Yeah. That's one. Corey Davis is still 26 years old. That's He's still young. And from the outside looking in, I'm not a Jets fan, but I look at it more from, now look, look, just the trio. They're not, let's say they don't sign nobody else right now. It's still Crowder, Mims, and now Corey Davis. Just a trio. There's not a true number one, but as a, as a group, that's a good receiver group. Yeah, definitely. Right. And so, which, is, which as a giant fan is what you guys have had for the last couple of years after OBJ, where you guys don't have a true number one, but you have some decent weapons all around. Right. And, and so for me, when I'm looking at the Jets, like the one thing I was saying, like, oh, maybe they should get a tight end. Right. Rendon hasn't done nothing. And yeah, when I said it aloud, it's like literally back to back days. It was like John o. Smith went Patriots signed them. The next day, he signed Hunter Henry. Yeah. So there's no one really left like an, at that level for the Jets to sign. He, he, may, he may trade for Travis Kelsey. Be careful. <laughs> what are you talking about? Joe Douglas? <laughs> no, uh, Belichick. <laughs> oh, come on. No, yo, and then, yo, and not for nothing. So that's the thing that I think that's what's happened here is that Belichick is seeing that, you know, Brady won a championship without him. He missed the playoffs. And I was listening earlier to uh, Tiki Barber and Brandon Tierney. And Tiki Barber brought up a good point that he thinks all these moves that the Patriots are doing, signing these offensive players, and then a bunch of defensive players they signed, but really they spent a lot on, on like, basically two high-end tight ends, let's say, especially in free agency, but two eh, receivers, but they're better than what they had, right, last year. But it's basically they're filling these needs now in free agency because this will be the one year that instead of accumulating more draft picks and trading down and trading down and getting more draft picks, this might be the first year that maybe they trade up for a quarterback. Because it's been forever since they had to draft a quarterback, right? Like that high. And yeah, yeah. he's basically saying like, yo, like maybe they're this time they're not going to draft for depth. And instead they're going to use all the picks finally for once and trade up and draft a quarterback. Yeah. So I mean, I see that. Let, let, let's, let's see what happens. I mean, it's, um, uh, it's, 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 it's going to be, it's going to be a crazy off season. I can already, obviously the first day already told us that it's going to be hectic. It's going to be crazy. Um, and then day two, uh, giants just put them, through the bag at uh at Leonard Williams. Yeah, you and you so you as a Jets fan, you have horrible memories, horrible. And not horrible and, and, and not horrible. He's don't get me wrong, he's a good player. He's a good player. Don't get me wrong. I'm not I'm not knocking that he's I'm not saying he's a bad player in any way, shape, or form. He's a good, very good, solid player. I like Leonard Williams. Do I like Leonard Williams as being one of the top paid defensive tackles in the league? No, I don't like Leonard Williams that much. You know, and I mean, for me, it's just I we spoke about it last week and contract year, contract year, contract year. While you want the best performance out of these guys, but when you see a drastic difference in their performance from what you're used to seeing, to me, that's a big red flag. You know, you got to be concerned, like, all right, is this guy going to put in that work now once we do give him the money? Right. And that's what you guys got to see now. I mean, if, if he plays like he did last year, he's worth every penny. You know, but I just see it, you know. Again, like I was saying, not that you call them a horrible player, but that horrible perception as a Jeff fan. Like, so when you guys made that trade and you traded him to us, you thought like, oh my God, the Giants gave us a third round pick. And uh, it was supposed to be a fourth, but since they didn't sign him last year, they ended up being a fifth. And I understood at the time, but now in hindsight, the way he's performed, it was a good trade for both teams. Both teams won, yeah. 
Yeah, both teams. It was a good trade for both teams. But the thing with Leonard Williams, and I was telling people this yesterday, where I forget about the numbers right now or the contract. Like right now, the way they structured the contract was more to have a lower cap hit for this year. So in essence, like the tag was 19 million, but they gave him 21 million per year to bring that cap hit lower for this year kind of thing. And you are paying him more because you know he's tagged. Like you have to get him signed. Yeah, yeah. And so my reaction is that I was just so happy that it was a three-year deal because that just means... And, and I agree with you on that. Because that just means that, like you mentioned, right? So he played for the contract this year. He put up crazy numbers. And I just want to put, put out one stat, like besides sacks, because he had a career high in sacks, but 30 quarterback hits, and he was, which was third in the NFL, and 41 quarterback pressures, which was seventh among defensive linemen. So like he had a crazy year. But a three-year deal means he's going to want to hit the market again in three years at 29 years old. So he's going to pay for that next one. Yeah, yeah, no, that, that, that I agree with. I like the fact that it was a short-term deal and that kind of saves that deal in a way, in my opinion. But um, it was, I mean, when I saw how much money he got, I was like, wow, like they really like showed him the money, you know, as, a, yeah. as they say. But um, I, I, I mean, he's a play. He's the title play. of this podcast, Show Me the Money. That was literally like, I was like, yo, that's the name of the podcast because these guys out here, there's a lot of guys that, uh, you know, if you could try to put the contracts next to each other, but like these guys are getting paid more than I thought. I thought, you know, the cat went lower. You know, there's a COVID, still COVID like going around kind of thing, right? Where it's like, yeah. yo, the NFL is worried. But now you know that the NFL is going to get these crazy TV contracts and because they're not worried because they wouldn't be spending this much, I'll tell you that much. And, yo, the one bogus thing that we know now about the NFL, I brought this up in the chat uh, earlier, was don't look at the numbers you see on, you know, the like when players sign contracts. Yeah, yeah. Those numbers don't mean nothing because – you know, they have a signing bonus, the, the you know, salary and base and this, that. And it's like the number you got to worry about is the cap hit. Yeah. And if they wanted to, you go year to year, every year. And I want to say the Saints are the biggest culprit of this is that they always restructure contracts because otherwise they'll be stuck with a bunch of dead money and whatnot and not be able to spend on free agency. Yep. So that's what's crazy about the NFL. So like right now, I'm like, right now, I'm like, the one thing I wanted was the Giants to remove that franchise tag and sign Leonard Williams to a long-term contract and find a way to get under the cap enough, maybe release Golden Tail, whatever, and sign a big-time receiver like Kenny Galladay. Because I could see Kenny Galladay being, for Daniel Jones, what Plaxico Burris was for Eli Manning. Like that same kind of impact, tall receiver, physical receiver, whatever. And instead, after they restructured the Leonard Williams contract, they signed John Ross. They signed Devontae Booker. I'm like, yo, what is this guy doing, bro? Like, and my thing is all about cap hit. So I'm like, all right, you can sign these players, but these cap hit numbers, he's, I don't know, uh, that's a whole other topic. Like, this dude is so stuck in his old ways that he's not creative. I, I don't like GMs that are not creative. Yeah, they don't think outside the box kind of thing. So, but you know, that was the big key. I'm just glad to know the Jets are optimistic about their GM, and the Giants aren't. <laughs> I mean, I mean, but this, but Joe Douglas got to do more, right? Like, let's good first oh, day. Oh, of course, of course. But yeah, I mean, you, you, Rome wasn't built in the day, as they say. You know, and I, I don't, I don't mind everything that he's done. I think the most impressive thing that I saw last year at the draft was. The simple fact that he was shuffling around picks, 
you know, and being proactive and trying to not just sit there and wait for your pick or whatever. No, he's trying to make moves and do what's necessary. And um, and hopefully we will see that come draft day. That'll and I was good. definitely applauding that. Like, that was one thing I was like, off the bat, I'm like, that's what I want to see. Like, for my yeah. team, I want to see the maneuvering. That's why I give credit to the Knicks. This is the first year you saw they traded down a little bit. They still took quickly, but they yeah. got extra, like, one or two second-round picks by trading down. Uh, quickly, uh, you as a Jeff fan, we spoke about this a couple of weeks ago about Sam Darnold. There's a few teams that would have been, you know, they would have had a quarterback opening. They kind of fill their needs. The Bears, the Redskins. Bears got Dalton. Redskins signed Fitzpatrick. You lose a lot of leverage there. So it kind of seems like the mm-hmm. Jets are either, you know, their options are limited as far as where they could trade Darnold and get like a real nice package for him. Yeah. I mean, let's see what happens. You know, it's honestly, I feel like right now, there is about a 60% chance that he's our, our quarterback on opening day. That's what I think. I think there's a 60% chance that Sam Darnold is on the center come opening day for us. Um, and I think for once, I mean, I, I was never a big fire Adam Gates fan. I thought we just didn't have talent point blank. Um, but at the end of the day, if the coaching was a problem, I guess we fixed that, hopefully. If personnel was a problem, which it's not a question, it was a problem. The Jets on paper have been horrible for, for a couple of years now. So now we're going to give him some weapons. And if we don't see a borderline pro bowler, um, it's, it's time to go. I mean, I don't want to say borderline pro bowler, but a guy who can help us win games, you know, where I don't think Sam has been that guy. I, I, we, do, we definitely need to see progress and significant progress this year. So that's basically, and I, I think he will be our, our, our quarterback this year, to be honest. Because I don't think we're going to draft one. And even if we draft one, I think he should still be our quarterback. I don't want to throw a guy out there, especially not in New York. Just You just answered the question, my follow-up question, which was going to be, would you put a young quarterback, both of them, the one you have already in, 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 the, in the roster and the one you would draft, in that position where it's like, well, this is the guy coming up behind you, or this is the, and then you put Sam, he's, a, he's your starter, but it's like, they have their future on the bench, you know, kind of thing. Yeah. I, I mean, I, I would, I, what I would do is I would trade down. I would keep uh, Sam, let him play, bring in uh, a guy maybe later in the first round and give him an opportunity to win the job. But at the end of the day, it's Sam's job and that's his job to take. You know, it's not going to be an open competition. Uh, I don't believe in throwing any athlete out to the Wolves in New York. Point blank, I just don't. I don't think it's healthy for them. And, you know, I, I know we talk about this a lot when it comes to the Knicks. Uh, same thing I say about Emmanuel quickly. Let him master his role. I don't want to see him start. Uh, I know he's been starting the last two games. I'm not happy about it. But I want to see him master his role. And then maybe next year when he learns how to run an offense and he learns all the little things that he needs to learn, then give him the keys to take over. You know, there's, there's no need to rush it at all. Yeah, and I agree with you. I mean, you kind of went to where we're going to go to next about from last night's game because it pissed us all off, right? Like, all these calls that the Nets were getting, you know, it's fine if you lose, but when you know you're not getting certain calls and the Nets were getting all of them and then at the end of the game, I'm not going to lie to you. Like, I mentioned this, like, I've been calling that a travel my whole life. 
Like, I, 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 I didn't know. I didn't know what to say. I, I didn't know what to say. But to me, in my opinion, if you if you come down with possession of the ball, I mean, technically, no. I, I would have called it a travel too. Yeah, in the moment no, no, no. I would have called it a travel. And until Mike Breen explained it to say, you know, if the ball, if you block the ball and it gets, you know, you touch the ball as a defender, it negates the travel. And I still thought, like, you know, when I would get blocked, let's say, up in the air, I would still let go of the ball. Like, all right, I got blocked, but I'm letting go of the ball and then mm-hmm. get possession again. Yeah. That's not what happened yesterday. Julius Randle got blocked, but held on, and then bounced it down as if, you know, to yeah. possession. I was like, yo, what's going on here? So the fact that he got all upset, on, I, I was more upset about earlier calls. I mean, Harden did a blame travel, you know. Like, as much as people were like, oh, the Knicks came back, they made it a game, this and a third, man. I didn't, what I saw last night was basically like, yeah, we play a – we're a great defensive team. We made it hard for them kind of thing, but this is Wild Durant, <laughs> you know. And when Kyrie wants to, he could just take over. And that's basically going to be the difference. It's like, yo, James Harden, I think out of the three, it seems like James Harden is the one that's deciding that he's – going to be okay. And I was one of the questions that we were going to have. James Harden is going to be okay being the third guy and like, you know, just setting up for spot shots and yeah. getting the offense, but he's going to be okay not having the ball in his hands. Yeah, I, I, I would say that I think out of the three, as far as a shooter and perimeter scorer, I would say he's the weakest of, of the three. And that's only because the other two are top Five in the NBA, probably. Three out of the top five are on the same think, team. Yeah, so, so it's it's not it's not a knock on him at all. It's just that the other two, I think, are probably top three as far as skill in the NBA. Kevin Durant and Kyrie are just filthy when it comes to shooting the ball, handle, just like so much they can do offensively. Um, and I mean. It, I they got they got three number ones, you know. At the end of the day, and James Harden is probably the best passer of the three, you know. And handles he's his handles are legit too, and he is the most lethal getting to the basket. So I guess it makes sense for him to to run the offense, you know. And he's doing a good job, a great job at it. And I mean, they're gonna they're, they're gonna be, it's gonna be crazy. I can't wait to see all three of them like healthy. I yeah. don't know what what bringing in Blake Griffin really brings to the table. Doesn't bring nothing to be honest. I, I, I'm not I'm not buying it. You know I'm not buying it. I have people selling me that stock. I said I'm not interested. But um, but yeah. But let's see. I mean, regardless, at the end of the day, when you have three monsters like that, you really don't need that much else. You know, as long as, long as they can stay healthy. Hopefully, KD is back soon, and we get to see that. Because even though I'm not a Nets fan, I do uh, I do enjoy watching something special. And that is something special that they got. Uh, so I've known you, like me, are not a big proponent of LeBron James. Mm-hmm. We're all, you know, MJ's the GOAT. Don't talk to me about LeBron's GOAT. Yeah, you know, we, we respect his game. We respect his greatness. But just don't come with the he's better than Jordan kind of thing, right? We knew, we're in agreement there. 100%. And so we're Knicks fans as well. So if it came down to a, a Nets-Lakers finals, what would be your preference of who comes out of that one? Oh, Nets, all day. Okay. And and, and I live in Brooklyn now, so. Oh, so uh, that's your cop-out right there? 
Say it. I, I jump on that bandwagon real quick. I don't want to see LeBron win anything else. I'm good. I'm good. I give him credit for like one and a half championships, you know, as far as being a champion and a winner. But uh, so, so, no matter what he does to me going forward, he just he is where he is. He's number two all time, and he can't change that, in my opinion. That's crazy. I mean, I, I haven't changed my stance either. I've actually, if anything, since Kobe's passing, I just like looking looking back at Kobe's, you know, career and like reflecting, you know, unfortunately because he passed away. But yeah, it's one of those things where it's like we won't know what Kobe could have been early in his career while Shaq, you know, it's kind of, you know, like to like you look at the first three champions, you say, oh, but those are Shaq's, you know, Kobe was it was a one A, one B thing. And, you know, Kobe really got the two, you know, with Gasol, but Kobe, you know, Kobe was that man. But, but, but y'all, is when you look at who's closest to Jordan, not just with their game, but just, you know, the, that dog, you know, like that, like nobody's going to fucking beat me. And that's what, like, you look back and he's like, that's what Kobe, LeBron still has that. Like, I don't know if it's this era now. Where everybody now it feels like, I mean they're too friendly, right? The, uh, you know what? One player that and he stayed with his team. Hopefully he stays with his team for the rest of his yeah, career. So we don't think about this, but Damian Lillard. Oh, Damian Lillard. Those are those are the two guys I have the most respect for. I said Giannis okay. and Giannis and Damian Lillard are two guys I have the most respect for in the league because those guys will ride or die with their guys, and they'll they well, leave. We don't know yet with Play hard every night. Like I respect that a thousand percent. And I said this the other day in the chat where, to me, like for me, I think Damian Lillard every day becomes more like my favorite basketball player in the league. And it's just because he's just, I mean, it's, he's, he's, he's what I guess we would say a man's man, you know, like he's going to go out there, he's going to go to battle and he's not looking for, oh, let me become buddy, buddy with this guy so he can come play with me here or, you know, and I'm sure he has conversations with guys, but I don't see him as a guy posting up pictures of another player, tagging him, talking about, oh, my guy. Like, I I didn't – we didn't grow up on that. And we didn't grow up on social media, but I don't care if they had social media. Jordan was not doing that for anybody. (laughs) All right? Reggie Miller was not doing that for anybody. You know, like, these guys were dogs. Like, at the end of the day, like, the NBA we grew up on was kind of like – they were – they had, like, the mentality of, like, boxers. Like, they were straight killers. Like, if you weren't on my team, like, I don't fuck with you. That's just what it comes down to. You know, like, you're my enemy. Now it's, I mean, everybody's buddy-buddy, and this it's, it's crazy. I mean, but it is what it is. It's a new era, and I guess these guys also have more access to each other than they would have in the past. Because imagine, back in the day, you know, like, if you're Jordan, there's no reason why you would actually have, like, Carl Malone's number on your phone. Mm-hmm. You know, like it's not like it's not like you just you know, but now That's social media. <laughs> yeah, now 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 in the with social media, you could just DM somebody. You know, obviously, and it'll if they want to respond, they'll respond. You know, and once they see a blue check mark, they see who it is, they could easily respond. But I mean, it's different. I I'm not I'm not a fan of it. You know, that's why King Julius is gonna keep holding it down in New York. Because I don't really think he rides like that, but hopefully he he can attract another superstar over here. Because we need one. We need a number one. I think there needs to be the third one to go with him and RJ, and then 
and then we're really cooking and we'll see from there, especially RJ, because he's playing, you know, he's showing a lot the last month or so like that. He's, 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 he's impressed me. And I wanted to take his head off a week into the season, but uh, he's definitely turned it around and he's been awesome. And he is showing a lot of promise. Um, and I'm looking forward to seeing his development. He's only 20 years old. So it should be, um, should be a fun ride. I'm, I'm excited to be a Nick fan. Even yesterday watching the Nets game, you sit there and you watch the game and it's like we're down 15 and I didn't feel like it was over. I was like, nah, we could still get back into this. And we did, you know, and it's, that's a good feeling to have as a fan. That's the whole tips factor, bro. Like we're, we're at least going to play tough and, and, and tough defense. And we're going to be in games just off the fact that this guy's our coach and these players, you know, giving that. Remember we're missing a couple of key players as well. You know, we don't yep. got Mr. Robinson. We don't got Derrick Rose, who it and seems they confirmed today that he actually had COVID. Those are two key pieces for us. You know, Derrick Rose is a key piece for us. You know, now we got quickly starting, which is not I our did. rotation, and they experimented with that. And and Frank hasn't been bad. He hasn't been horrible, but it's not Derrick Rose. Obviously, Derrick Rose is a uh, is a legit perimeter scorer, uh, scorer, and he gets puts the ball in the basket when he wants to, and that's something that we definitely need. And because last night Julius was great in the fourth quarter, but when you're playing against two, two top 10 players like that, you can't do it by yourself. Yeah. You can't go bucket for bucket. You mentioned earlier, people being buddy, buddy, uh, me and your buddy, buddy, but we do play <laughs> fantasy sports against each other. That's where we had to head. How I, you know, I messed up last time. I try to, you know, introduce the topic without, you know, bringing up the fact that you made the finals in the fantasy baseball last year. Even it was your first year playing with us. It's a 14 man league. I always bring that up and emphasize that because in the past, and most leagues that I played in is only 10 or 12 man league for any sport. I make sure that all my leagues are 14 man league because it just adds that little bit of, you know, of a challenge. You, you're not going to get lucky. Yeah. Like you, you can't, it's, it's so hard to, like, you, you can't, 14 man league, you can't really get lucky. You got to have, you got to know, like, you, you got to know something like it, it's just, you can't just waltz in. It ain't happening. You know, and that's, and that's, and that's what I do like about your leagues where it's super competitive and it's like, yo, like you better be in it or you, you'll, you'll fall back so fast. That it'll be so hard to climb back when it's 14 people. And another thing that I do, at least in my leagues, not for football, because football is a different animal, but for basketball and baseball, I limit the pickups because I hate leagues where it's like, you you know, you're playing against each other head to head weekly and it's like category based. Yeah. And then you just, they're picking up players every day and just chasing stats, you know? Yeah. You maybe hurt your batting average, you know, your, your whip or your rate, but if you keep just adding players, you're going to get the quality starts or the wins or, you know, yeah. stolen bases or this. And, and so I always minimize that. And so, you know, last year was crazy because of COVID. So we had to add, you know, I, uh, I was going to say IR spots, but it's IL spots. And, you know, I, I added more pickups, but we're going back to like the, what our initial league was. So this will be like your first time playing with us, 14 man league with the way the league was prior to COVID. It's not an excuse as to why you made the the championship. You know, I t- you know, when I put you in the league is for a reason. And um, so, yo, let's start off with, so we, we, last time we did infield, we did catchers and we did the entire infield. So they will do outfielders, starting pitchers, and, and relievers. Alex, I'll start with you first. Uh, let's start with outfielders. Who do you have as your two sleepers for outfield? 
So two sleepers that I have for the outfit. And before I touch on those two, I just want to fill everybody in and throw this out there because last week, I don't know how it slipped my mind. And we were talking infield. And I think this guy's eligible all throughout the whole infield. And I have to throw his name out there because if he helps you win a fantasy championship, I got to mail me a bottle of wine. Um, and that's Ty France. He's on Seattle. He's a, he was a stud in the minors. Um, he's like an undersized first baseman who actually plays second and third. Um, and he's a very good hitter, very good hitter. And I said this to Ronnie, and then I looked at what's going on at spring training, and he's killing it in spring training as well. He has about three or five home runs already. But moving on to the outfield is what we came here for. My two sleepers, okay? The one guy, this is a guy that I've been looking forward to for years, and he's been platooning, not getting a full-time gig, and I think it's time and he is also having a great spring training, and that is Jock Peterson, formerly of the Los Angeles Dodgers. Now he's on the Chicago Cubs playing in a bandbox, and I really like Jock Peterson. Uh, right now in spring training, he is hitting 500, um, and his, he's really not striking out, which is something that he's been prone to in spring training. So I like Jock Peterson. I think he's good for 35, 40 home runs. Uh, if he can chip in 250, 260, and you can snag him up in your later rounds, that's that's a great pickup as a number three outfielder, I would say. That's somebody who I really like. And then my second guy for New York for New Yorkers, we've been waiting for this guy to get a full-time opportunity, and that's Clint Frazier of the New York Yankees. So I really like Clint Frazier. If you watch the guy hit, his hands are insane. Like, it's... His bat speed, everything is disgusting. So when this guy makes contact, he hits the ball hard. And I really like Clint Frazier. Uh, last year, one thing that he showed was in, in improved plate discipline. And that's something that I think uh, tells a lot about a hitter, and it'll make it a lot better for him all around, seeing better pitches, swinging at better pitches. So I really like Clint Frazier as a sleeper as well. So Jock Peterson and Clint Frazier are my sleepers. With Jock Peterson, the only thing I want to point out there is, like, he's more of a guy that usually gets platoon, but it doesn't seem like the Cubs have somebody, you know, to bench him against lefties. So mm-hmm. he probably get his first chance to play every day and, like, see if he could actually hit lefties and put up numbers, you know, instead of being benched. I feel like the Dodgers always bench them against lefties. And so, but again, I agree with you. I actually do like Jock Peterson as well. You pick Frazier from the Yankees. I'm going to pick Dominic Smith from the Mets as a sleeper. Uh, last year, he showed a lot. I, we were getting into it earlier about, you know, if I had a choice, if I had a gun to my head, who would I keep, Dominic Smith or Peter Alonzo? The Mets don't have to make that choice right now. But, you know, let's say in a year from now, the CBA goes wrong and the Mets had to, you know, there's not, there's not universal DH, which is what everybody's assuming. And it's like, all right, so you're going to keep Dominic Smith in left field and Alonzo at first. And I've been telling people all around, you know, all around, you know, not the name value, not who's hits the more more home runs, just off of who's a better all-around player is Dominic Smith. Last year, he showed it with his bat, which was like, you know, people earlier were telling me, you know, he's had his whole college career and, and, and the minor leagues. And I was looking at his numbers. I'm like, he's hit, but not to what he showed last year. Like last year was a, like to me, I saw that paid discipline against lefties. They had him in there. And he showed that, you know, he wasn't a, a liability against lefties. And so this year, you know, the Mets, you know, there's no DH. And so they didn't sign nobody that basically they're going to say, like, Kevin Pillar is not somebody you're going to say, hey, we're going to bench 
Dominic Smith or Nemo for. You know what kind of thing? Yeah, yeah. So Smith is going to get every chance to put up his numbers and play every day. If the Mets weren't contention last year, Smith would have been an MVP, like, in conversation. Like, that's how good he was last year. And he's ranked really low. Um, I kind of feel like it goes with the fact of, again, 2020 was an odd year. So it's hard to judge these players. So I kind of feel like a lot of the rankings reflect that. Like, you you can't tell, like, if the experts are really, like, you know, know if what, what happened last year was fluky or not. Yeah. And then the other guy I have is Leoli. I know I want to hope I pronounce his first name correctly. But his last name is Tavares. He has the same last name as me. <laughs> just off of that. No, but not just off of that. He uh, stole eight bases last year in 33 games. You put that into a full season. He's stealing 40 bags. He's going to be the everyday center fielder uh, in Texas. I, I've, I've had this guy, I'm like, different leagues. Yes, because of the last name, I looked out for him because <laughs> of the last name thing. But I've had him in different leagues where he was a stash, like, you know, we could stash prospects in a dynasty league, that kind of thing. And so I've had my eye on him for a while. So this will be the first year we get to see it. But he's some, he's not ranked high. So, for you know, it's very, I want to say maybe a handful of players that we can predict this year that can steal 40 bases. I mentioned one a couple of weeks ago with Garrett Hampson from the from the Rockies. And since that last time we spoke, Hampson, the same thing is like he plays everywhere. Yeah. So he's going to play every day because he plays everywhere. So he's going to have that real legit shot to steal, you know, 30, 40 bases. And there's not many players like that left in baseball. And so if you need somebody to target for steals and single-handedly win you that category, this would be the guy to do it with. Let's move on to bust. Who do you have as a bust at outfield? So as a bust in the outfield, I'm going to go with Marcelo Zuna. And the reason why I'm going with Marcelo Zuna is because Marcelo Zuna was, I think, a top three, top four MVP candidate last year. And he had an amazing year uh, in the shortened season for 2020. But it was also a contract year. And he did get, I believe, a three-year deal with the Atlanta Braves. And the numbers that he put up last year do not match his production throughout his career. He's ex- prone to strike out a lot. So I'm not really going to invest too much stock in Marcel Ozuna this year. So if you're looking for an outfielder and you need a number one outfielder, I don't think that Marcel is really that guy. I think he'll be still be productive, but I don't see him as being a uh, a star outfielder where last year he was actually a superstar. But I wouldn't uh, bank on that too much. And who's your second buzz you have there? My second buzz, I'm going to go with the same the same strategy. I don't like guys who get paid because I feel like it's easier for them to fall off. And I'm going to go with George Springer. I'm going to go with George Springer. He left the Astros. Now he's with the Blue Jays. Um, he went from being a uh, quiet guy on a loaded line, lineup where he hit leadoff and got to take advantage of the fastballs he was seeing nonstop. Um, And I think that now he's going to have a heavier load on him where he's basically going to be dependent on to be the the top gun. And he just got paid. So I I don't know. I just I'm not I'm not really going to invest my my stock in him as well as a top, top guy. So I have those two guys as busts. I think that they'll still be productive, but I don't see them producing as they did last year. I would expect a, a decent drop off. 
And so my two uh, buzz I have here is Nick Castellanos from the Reds. And I got, I got Will Myers here from the project where Nick Castellanos, just something about his name. When I saw the rankings, I'm like, oh, he, so for some reason he popped up to me. I was like, damn, he's really ranked this high. I mean, he's solid. You know, you get your 20 home runs, 70 to 80 RBIs kind of dude. But he was somebody last year. I remember he got up to a crazy start. I remember he was a, a, a big free agent signing for the Reds. And he got off to a crazy start. He was on fire the first, you know, whatever, few weeks of the thing that he cooled off. He cooled off so much that he finished with a 225 batting average. I was like, when I saw that, I'm like, yo, like, what? Like, so that he got off to that crazy start. And if that's what he finished with, those numbers, like, so it was kind of underwhelming. And, you know, there's just something about guys, especially outfielders, like once they hit like the 30s, I kind of think, you know, with the what you said with Springer and, um, and Osuna, like, you know, once they hit their 30s, it's like that, you know, not that they rely on speed or anything like that, but just something about that their, their production falls off a little bit. With Will Myers is one thing, one thing only. It was a short season last year. He did his thing. They have a great lineup. If he's healthy, I'm going to be completely wrong here. But if he's healthy, <laughs> this dude, I've been waiting for years to just stay healthy, put up some numbers, and – it was last year, the one year that you, you weren't drafting him, it was last year that he actually finally produced. And so I'm not I, – I just don't see it. Now it's going to be a regular – we, we hope it's a full season. And yeah. if it's a full season, I just don't see how he plays 150 games. He's never shown that. So, so, so uh, Will Myers is this week's uh, Kevin Biggio, where I actually like Will Myers. And I think Will Myers is finally uh, on a really good team where there's not going to be a pressure on him to carry the team or or to be the leader of the team. And obviously last year he was in that situation and he excelled where he had a very good year for them. So I'm going to double down on last year and I'm going to say that he's, I think he's actually going to do it again. And I actually, they, they had, I saw the numbers on him for, if he would have played 149 games last year on the same pace, he would have hit 288 with 41 home runs and 108 RBIs. So obviously I'm not going to bank on that, but if you can get 270, 30 and 90 out of him with 10 stolen bases, that's, that's an absolute steal for Will Myers. But, um, well, let's see, let's see. I mean, the, the injury obviously plays a part for anybody, you know, and he, uh, he has a tendency to get hurt. So let's see what happens and how that pans out. But uh, I like Will Myers just because I, I like players when they're in a very good situation, when they're on a loaded team. You know, when you're on a good team, it's a lot easier to play good than when you're playing on a trash team. So obviously the Padres are an absolutely amazing team. So I'm looking forward to seeing what he does with that uh, supporting cast. It's crazy, right? So with fantasy, uh, you don't have to be on a great team in general to be productive in fantasy, right? But it kind of hurts you more for pitching, right? Like if you have wins and losses. So even if you're a great pitcher, but you're on a sucky team, you may, you know, if you're looking at a couple of players and think like they're close in statistics, you might lean more towards the guy that's on a better team overall kind of thing. Yeah. Like in football, it's easier because you're just going by offense and who was on a better offense and who has opportunity. But for baseball, it's a little trickier when you're drafting. In, fo- in, fo- football, in football, I actually aim for guys on bad teams. Because I'm like, oh, in garbage time, he's going to get me those points. You know, like I'll, I'll take a wide receiver on a trash team. So I'm like, all right, they're going to be getting smoked, so they need to throw them the ball one way or another. So I'll take that guy, you know, and it's crazy. But in baseball, it's obviously not the same. 
it's a tricky, uh, you know, like I, I know what you're saying, but I've been I've been screwed by that theory as well because let's say the Jaguars when they had like Blake Bortles and whatever receiver you could think of that they yeah. were blown out and playing from behind it. It's like you think about that, but you can't assume it either. You know yeah. what I'm saying? Maybe for like a stream, you know, you, you're playing week to week, you're streaming, you know, like, hey, Vegas has this team projected to lose by two touchdowns this week. Yeah. Maybe you could see that, but when you're drafting, I don't think you could go with that assumption. Uh, let's move on to pitchers. Alex, who are three pitchers as sleepers that you have for this year? So I'm going to give you, I'm going to, so my number one sleeper is a guy who I've been waiting on and waiting on and waiting on every year to put it together. Last year, they had him in the bullpen, a couple spot starts here and there. I think it's finally time they unleash him. And it's Julio Urias of the Los Angeles Dodgers. I've been watching Urias since he was about 17 years old, waiting for him to break out because he's been a top prospect for so long. So I got Julio Urias as my number one sleeper. For number two, I'm gonna give you, I'm gonna give everybody a bonus here, and it's gonna be a, a, a trio. And that trio, I'm gonna tell you guys why. So I like so if maybe if a guy was hurt or if a guy missed time for whatever reason. Um, also a guy that has a lot of potential and on top of that, a guy who is on an amazing team. Okay. So I'm talking about guys who are going to basically be four, number four, number five stars on their respective teams, but on other teams, they'd probably be a number two, maybe even a number one. And they're going to have like amazing matchups throughout the year because of this. So that's a guy that even if his ERA is not on point, he's still going to give you a ton of wins. So for that reason, I'm going to throw out these three names real quick just so that we have them down packed. And that's Domingo Herman, Corey Kluber, and Chris Paddock. So these are guys, Corey Kluber, obviously, was a world-class pitcher uh, coming back from injury. Um, and Domingo Herman and Paddock have already shown to be successful in the major leagues. And they're going to basically be like number five pitchers on very good teams, you know. And the one thing I will say about Kluber is, don't forget, Kluber's personal trainer was hired by the Yankees. So the guy that he rehabbed with to come back from injury just was hired from the, with the Yankees, I think this year or the year prior. So he's on their staff now. So obviously he signed off and he said, he's good to go. And then on top of that, Corey Kluber, uh, the Yankees um, pitching coach came from Cleveland. So he knows Corey Kluber up and down. So at the end of the day, I like, I like, I like him coming back and having a strong season. There's a reason why they gave him $10 million. They didn't just give it to him for no reason. So I, I like that trio. And then just to throw in a quick third name, I like Michael Pineda from the Twins. Uh, I think he's going to be very, very solid. He's always been a good pitcher. He's ran into dumb issues like pine tar and stuff like that, got hurt. But overall, throughout his career, he's always been a dominant pitcher. And once again, he pitches for a very good team. So that's the one thing with pitchers that I always like. I like a pitcher that's on a very good team. Don't give me – I don't like pitchers on bad teams. Well, my first sleeper off the top of my head right now that I'm going to mention is actually – I don't expect them to be a good team anymore. They traded Lindor. They got rid of some veterans. There's the Cleveland Indians. There's Trenton McKenzie. Yes. I like his stuff. I just feel like the Indians always pop up these young pitchers that end up being really good. Bauer, Shane Bieber, uh, Plezak. They have – you know, they, every year there's always somebody new. And, you know, they kind of – the only worry I have with this dude is, is innings cap. So, you know, you're drafting these dudes, you, you know, they, you could show – it happened to Chris Paddock, the guy you just mentioned. Yeah. Years ago when he was great, and then it's like 
by September, like, damn, when the fantasy players is coming up, it's like you got, they, he's either not shutting down, but like they, they're limiting his innings. Mm-hmm. So you're not getting the quality starts. You might not get the wins because they, they're taking him out the four and a third or whatever. So that's the only negative part about it. But I like McKenzie. He's ranked really low. Like, I feel like this is one guy we're going to see in the middle of the year. You're going to be like, holy shit, like this guy's an ace and he's ranked really low. I and mean, he's not ranked too low. You're going to have to get him in the fourth, fifth round. But I feel like he had a small sample and he's ranked that high. It just goes to show you why you should think highly of him. Yeah. You have Marcus Stroman, a little bit of a homer pick. You had your own too as well. But Stroman, again, the whole contract year thing, right? So he had a really good 2019. He opted out last year. Wasn't uh, He had like an ankle, I think, ankle injury last year before he opted out. And that's why, you know, it was a combination of COVID, ankle injury. But it's a contract year. The Mets improved their defense a lot. Behind the plate, Lindor. I expect them, from what I'm reading, to start Guillaume at third base or second base when Stroman starts. So that should improve the infield defense. You know, Stroman's a good sinker ball pitcher. So I just, you know, the Mets are a really good team. So this could be the year that Stroman, which is perfect for him, heading into free agency where he wins 15 games and he can use New York as, you know, leverage to get that big contract that he wants because he settled. Like, if he would have wanted to get a three-year, $45 million deal, he could have gotten it this offseason. Yeah. Yeah, but, you know he bet on himself, and I think he's gonna he's out to prove something, and yeah. he better because he's talking a lot right now, you know. So <laughs> I, I, I like that pick. I, I I'm I'm a big Strowman fan. I think he's a very good pitcher. I do. I definitely like that pick, and he's a guy who can also who's gonna be on a very good team and could end up being the number three starter. I mean, I don't know how they're setting up their uh, for now. Yeah, hey, you know, Carrasco, yeah, yeah, but be, be, between him and Carrasco, because between him and Carrasco, it's flip a coin, you know, between those two guys, both very good pitchers. Um, but if he ends up being the third pitcher, that's going to benefit him where obviously he's going to have easier matchups, you know. And so so that's something that's going to be important, especially in that division where I don't think any other team has a uh, has pitching as deep as the Mets. You know, I think every team has a, a, a strong one, too, but I don't think they have a strong third besides um, the Nationals. So but besides that, I think. uh I think he'll get some good matchups, and I, I like Stroman. I like Stroman. I think he'll do very well. My last, my last uh, sleeper is a deep sleeper. He's not ranked. He's uh, actually in 104 out of all those starting pitchers. And this is Chris Archer. I mentioned him before we recorded the podcast. He's back in Tampa Bay. I feel like every year you saw it with Charlie Morton, where it's like Tampa Bay gets the most out of these veteran starting pitchers. They signed Rich Hill as well. Uh, there's one more they signed. Oh, Michael Walker, who the Mets had last year. So they signed these guys, and it's like one out of them always ends up being better than what you think because they, the, Tampa just does that. If, if Tampa's paying somebody, invest in it too. Yeah. So and and so the one thing I did tell you that I usually do don't do is draft pitchers from the uh, AL East. You know, but at the same time, we're talking about somebody you probably more have to draft is Archer. Like you probably pick them up a waiver after your draft. So it's like one of those things, you know, just to think, you know, any of those three guys, to be honest with you, between Rich Hill, Rich Hill's always hurt, but Rich Hill, Chris Archer, Michael Walker, one of those guys I feel is going to pan out. I'm, I'll put my money on Archer. This guy was like a Cy Young candidate. He had a stretch there, and then his career went to shit the moment he got traded to Pittsburgh. So it sucks, but I have him there. He's a deep sleeper, but somebody to keep an eye out in, in your drafts. Uh, Alex, give me three busts you have for starting pitchers. I'm going to say a crazy name right here. And I'm going to give it a second because this is wild. (laughs) 
I can't believe I'm saying this. But I'm going to go on a limb here. And not that I think he's going to have a horrible year or anything like that. But I don't think he's going to be himself. And I'm going to go with Max Scherzer. And I've always been a huge Max Scherzer fan. But eventually, like, it has to hit a wall. You know, and he's 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 approaching 2,500 innings uh, for his career, which is a big number. And we saw Chris Sale hit a huge wall after pitching so much. So I'm going to go with Max Scherzer as somebody who I don't think is going to be as good as he usually is. And call me crazy if this year he's the third best pitcher on his team, which is not a bad thing because I think those other two pitchers are, are, are awesome. But, um, but I, I'm going to go with Max Scherzer. And another guy that I wouldn't invest in, and if I have the opportunity to draft him, I'm going to pass, is uh, Zach Gallen from uh, Arizona. And for the same reason that I would go for the Hermans, the Klubers, and the Paddocks on very good teams, is the same reason why I wouldn't go for Zach Gallen, where he pitches for the Arizona Diamondbacks, and I don't see them being too much of a, of a winning franchise this year. So I wouldn't really uh, – count on him too much so I'm, i got those two guys and a third guy that i'm throwing out there just because uh the shortened season i'm up in the air if it benefited him or if it hurt him and that's uh ryu from uh toronto who's a very good pitcher but has dealt with a lot of injuries throughout his career and as of late he actually hasn't so i don't know if this time off and shortened season would benefit him or hurt him so i'm gonna throw that name out there as somebody that you should be careful with yeah, based off of the injury history that you mentioned, and also play, uh, you know, pitching in the AL East, I would probably stay away from Ryu as well. My top guy, and it's not a, uh, I want to say like the Mad Max thing. You already know, like, you know, I still think, you know, I wouldn't like to project a year too early. Maybe you end up being right, where you know the the cliff, you know, he falls off the cliff. So you know, it's not gonna be so sudden. I want to say he's like 36, 37 years old right now. But I wouldn't want to be that guy to predict, to predict that. Oh no, no, nobody wants to be. But but I do have two guys that are ranked in the top five as my bust because I just rather have guys that are ranked right behind them. And there's no evidence to show where you can feel with certainty that these guys are gonna to be top five fantasy pitchers. And those are Trevor Bauer and Hugh Darvish. Trevor Bauer, first of all, he's been inconsistent his whole career. He, you know, I mean, he parlayed that into a big contract and, you know, he uses, you know, social media presence to get the hype around him. This and a third. And I'm not saying that he's going to be like a shit, like shit, but top five, like a given, that kind of thing. I, I don't like it. I mean, he's in the right team where, you know, you know, he should win games, be, you know, have a great defensive team behind that kind of thing. But if I'm going to draft a Dodgers pitcher, I'd rather just draft way Way Bueller, who's ranked lower than him. And then you, Darvish, I mentioned to you this earlier, but this dude, you take away last season, and he didn't have a, as great of a pitching year like he had last year and since 2013. Like, And I know part of it had to do with that he had these elbow issues and he's never could stay completely healthy. He always had setbacks here and there. Yeah. But that's seven, eight years ago, bro. Like, And then, you know, I he went to the Padres and, and and look I get it for the Padres the it didn't it didn't cost them nothing to get him from the from the Cubs and to get Snell so it's like might as well and then pit, get this deep pitching staff but like the same way you mentioned that you know this dude is Max might be the third best pitcher Darvish might be the third fourth best pitcher on his own pitching staff with Snell 
uh, what's the name? Dan Lamet. Lamet. And you know, Paddock, you mentioned like you know, so I wouldn't be surprised if any of those other guys outperform Darvish, and he's ranked. These guys are ranked fourth and fifth. The last guy I got is you know this dude just got paid by the Giants as a, as a one year qualifying offer. Kevin Gosman, he's literally had one good half, which was uh, two years ago. Good. He got traded from the, the the Braves to the to the Reds, and or vice versa. And then you know he had one good half, nothing else. I don't know. I, I feel like Giants are hoping because he's on a one year deal they could parlay that and trade him in the deadline, but. I don't see it. He's ranked high. He's ranked 40th out of starting pitchers, which is in our 14-man league. You're, you're basically taking him as your second or third starter. And he's somebody that I'm just off his name. I'm looking at it. It's like, yo, this guy is waiver wire plotter. Like, this is guy, some guy I pick up for, you know, mixing and match based on matchups kind of thing. Not somebody I'm drafting as my yeah. one of my top starters in my fantasy team. So no, that's I, I agree with you, with, with you on that. And that's another thing where, once again, what team is he on, you know? So it's not even like he could take advantage of being the number four, the number five starter on, on a monster team. He's probably going to be the ace for the San Francisco Giants. So imagine when he has to go face uh, um, Bueller or Bauer versus the Dodgers, you know, like, good luck. When he has to face Lament on the Padres, like, good luck. It's He's asked out, you know? So I, I, I wouldn't invest anything in Gosman either. And I agree with you. I think, I think Darvish is going to be the third best pitcher on the Padres. Because I have Lamette and definitely Blake Snell having amazing years. I really like Blake Snell this year. I think he's gonna be back where he used to be, and I think they're gonna take the the shackles off of him and let him loose. And I think he's gonna be absolutely amazing. I would like to see that. I kind of got a little. I don't know. It was last year, the year before, where like his velocity dip. I want to say it's 2019. I wasn't putting too much stock in 2020, but like the 2019, he lost a little bit. But I want to say it was due to injury. Now. Wanted to see last year if he could bounce back, which he did. And so, you know, now he's on a better team, way better offense, way better, you know, league for him. You know, we already know anybody going from the AL to NL, you kind of take down a half point on the ERA, you know, switching that in that way. So anybody doing that move, I like that. That's a positive for them. And he, and he, and And he pitched in the AL East when AL East was strong. Right. So he's been there for years, so he's pitched there when it's strong. And for dynasty leagues, just want to throw it out there real quick. Be, be sure to keep your eye on Blake Snell 2.0 in in uh, San Diego, which is M- Mackenzie Gore, which I believe is a top lefty prospect in the league. And if you want him next to anybody, you want him next to Blake Snell. So that's somebody that I would uh, tell everybody to look out for if you're in a dynasty league and somebody you want to look forward to maybe for late in the year or maybe next year. I have a question for you. Uh, since you mentioned Mackenzie Gore, how would you draft somebody to stash, like a starting pitcher that you know won't be on the team, or even an everyday player that you know won't be on the team? And I don't know if I told you this before, but I definitely mentioned in the chat once that you know I made a mistake a couple of years ago. I missed the playoffs in a in a league a couple of years in a row, and I'm like, yo, I'm in this league. Everybody's like, you know, in that sense, they're making fun of you, like, oh, you brought this guy's ass and then nothing. So I went all in. I want to like, win this year. I want to make the playoffs. And I traded Tatis, thinking he's not going to get called up until June, July. He's I can't use him as one of my keepers if he's not going to be useful to me, that kind of thing. Really short-sighted move. But in a normal redraft league where you're drafting your new team every year, but you have limits. Like in our league, we have a limit of how many starters you can have in your team. You know, how many, st- you know, you want to take advantage. You could make some pickups, but... 
to draft somebody like Gore or Matt Manning, you know, these young pitchers that are in the minors that should be called up this year. Is there a right way where to draft them? Do you even bother doing that? I mean, it, it depends. I, I know that there's some leagues that actually have like a minor league uh, position where you can actually stash one or two minor leaguers. Uh, I've, I've been in leagues where they do that. Um, do I give up a spot in my roster if I don't have it? Do I just give up a, a roster spot for a guy like that? No, I, I don't think I could do that. You know, you can't just leave that production empty. You know, but if you can stash him away and it doesn't hurt you and you have maybe a minor league position on your roster, then, yeah, definitely 100%. I would definitely use a draft pick um, maybe as high as 15, 16. But it has to be a keeper league. You know, you're not just going to do that, you know, banking on this guy. Maybe he comes up, et cetera. So, I mean, it's um, it's shaky. But, I mean, if it's if it's a redraft every year, just focus on that year. You know, stop, don't bank on something where you when you don't have anything. You know, now if it's later in the year and you're in first place and, you know, and it's halfway through the year, you're killing it in first place. then yeah, definitely pick the guy up and take the hit for a couple of weeks because that could be the guy that propels you right into the championship. You know, so that, that, like that, I've, that, I've been in the ass the last few years trying to get the player, you know, that's going to come up early thinking. But it's not it's like somebody else gets to, like there's always like, let's say there's 14 of us right in this league. Mm-hmm. It's going to be like those four guys that are drafting those young prospects that are going to come up, but you don't know when. Yeah, yeah. So, so, so to me, I'm not going to lie. Like, I think it was the Astros, and he ended up not being as good as everybody thought. Uh, I forgot his name right now. Whitley? Forrest Whitley. Forrest Whitley. I've oh, been, my God, I, I had him I've drafted, I've drafted him. I've drafted him two years in a row. Yeah. Waiting for Forrest Whitley to come up. And he's just – it seems like he's just an immature punk who's – not gonna get it together, you know. But yeah, so but it, don't forget that Lucas Lucas Giolito was the same way. Lucas Giolito was a huge prospect that was not panning out, and that's when the Nationals traded him. And the guy is a top top seven pitcher in the league right now. So right. So I mean, it, it's again, you you're right. I I'm learning now that unless there's a minor league option or keeper league or nothing like in a redraft league, I'm not I'm not stashing nobody. No, you can't. It's not worth it, you know, at the end of the day. like, And then on top of that, even if they come up, like, how often is that guy really going to be a game changer, you know? So it's um, it's interesting. And I know we mentioned relievers. And let's not forget that guy that came up from the White Sox last year. They came straight from the MLB draft, straight out of college. A lefty throwing about 102. I forget his name. Uh, I, I can't come across the name right now, but... If, if you look into, he's a reliever for the White Sox, throws 102. That team is going to win a ton of games this year. So that's somebody also to look into if you need a reliever for sure. We're moving on to relievers. And I was going to ask you, you know, because we're moving on to sleepers and buzz. I have here, I'm going to let me go first. I have here Kirby Yates as my bust. Uh, he just signed with the Blue Jays, a one year deal. This guy was phenomenal. 2019, 2018, he was great as well. But 2019 was nuts, bro. Like, this dude for a reliever, insane numbers. He had over 100 strikeouts in 60 innings. Uh, he got hurt last year, so that's my that's my biggest worry here. He's ranked ninth. I'm expecting the Blue Jays to uh, maybe finish third, be- third best in the AL East, let's say. So usually with relievers, I'm not one to draft relievers early. If I do draft, like let's say you get four or five reliever spots, I'll usually take maybe one in the middle rounds and that's it. Like I just want to have one secure, like, you know, 
for certain closer, but there's only like a handful to a dozen of them in baseball. So I usually like to draft setup men that could potentially become closers. So I don't really reach for these guys. But Yates, he's coming off an injury. He has a bone spurs in his elbow. It's kind of like that Seth Lugo thing. Like, you know, they have to protect them. So they might baby him. You know, I know he signed, I want to say he signed a one plus one contract, yeah. like a one year and an option. So I, I don't know. I just don't go there with um Kirby Yates, as great as he was the last few years before his injury. I just wouldn't touch him. Um, and then my bust is uh sorry, my sleeper is Amir Garrett. Uh, this dude, uh, uh, Iglesias, went to the Angels. They traded him to the Angels. So it opened up the closer spot in Cincinnati. Not ideal because I don't think Cincinnati is going to be a great team. But this dude, Amir Garrett, I feel like every year his ERA has improved. He's always had good uh, strikeout numbers for, you know, per, you know, per nine innings. And, you know, shout out to the dude that played at St. John's basketball. Like, I remember him. I don't know if remember this, but this dude got into that baseball uh Mm-hmm. So fought with the Pirates, he fought like the whole Pirates team. Oh, uh, yeah. So this guy got, you know, he got he got some balls. And I, I don't know, I just see him as one of those guys that he's ranked uh, 30th for relievers. And I could I see him finishing as a top 10, like a closer for fantasy this year. Definitely, definitely. That, those, those definitely some great picks. Um, I picked as my sleeper. So he's not too much of a sleeper if you're really like into fantasy sports. Um, but he burst onto the scene last year, and that's Devin Williams from the Milwaukee Brewers. And even you told me, you're like, hey, like, this guy just popped up, and I didn't know the Brewers had two, like, great relievers because they have Joe Hader. I was like, let me tell you, Devin Williams, I think, was the best reliever, not only on the Brewers, but I think he was the best reliever in baseball last year. And, I mean, if, you have, if you're in a league where you get points for holds, which you should, yes, um, he's absolutely amazing. And this guy throws about 97, 98 with a filthy, filthy, nasty changeup. And his go-to pitch is his changeup. And last year he was basically untouchable. And he was absolutely amazing for the Brewers. So that's like my sleeper. And he's not too much of a sleeper, but I know he's not a household name. So that's why I'm throwing him out there and make sure everybody knows about him. And then for bust, I'm actually going to go with a big name. I'm going to go with a really big name. And I'm going to go with a, a Roldis Chapman. Wow. Yeah, I'm going with a Roldis Chapman. I've said it for years. And I and when, when the Yankees gave him that extension, I said it. I was like, once this guy loses his 100 mile per hour uh, fastball, he's going to not be the same guy anymore. You know, and he's learning and he's working on throwing his slider, et cetera. But he doesn't have, obviously, the command that um, that he would want. And I don't think it's that strong of a pitch. He'll still be good. But I do think that we are going to start seeing his decline as he's 33, 34 years old. So I think we're going to start seeing his decline because once his fastball starts hitting 95, 96, I really see him getting uh, touched up. And I'm looking at his numbers from last year and his ERA was over three, which is not Chapman-like, even though his K-to-walk ratio was great and everything, and he was striking out almost two batters per inning, but he started getting hit. So that's um, – I'm going to go with Rhodes Chapman as a bust. And like I said, and the same thing applies. He'll still be serviceable. You could still draft him. Just I wouldn't count on him to be top three. Right, and that's where he's big. That's exactly where he's ranked. He's number three. Devin Williams is ranked 14th in relievers, and that's what popped up to me because I'm like, yo, they have Josh Hader. How is it someone 
ranked not too far behind. Yeah. And you brought him up, and I'm like, I'm not like, I was sleeping on him, which is yeah. the concept of sleepers that I wasn't, you know, that's still sleeper status right there. You know, like you know, you're if he's the best reliever, was the best reliever last year, but he's ranked, you know, behind you know what's the name that popped up right now? I'm just looking at it is Rafael Montero. He's a former Met. Yeah. Uh, he's in Seattle. I guess he's their closer. And that, that's another name. I'm like, whoa, like was he really that good? So he's a name that popped up right now. Uh, Alex, is there anything you want to add before we finish off this podcast? No, pretty much. I just want everybody to remember that when we say bust and we say sleeper, we're not completely writing people off and we're not telling you that somebody's going to be the biggest star in the world. But what we're telling you is that, let's say, for instance, we just mentioned Devin Williams and Aroldis Chapman. If I can draft a Devin Williams three rounds after I would have taken Aroldis Chapman, in my opinion, Devin Williams is the much better pick. You know, so in that, in that spot, you can pick somebody else who will make your team better. And I wouldn't bang too much on a roll this Chapman when you can grab a Devin Williams two, three rounds later easily. So that's basically, I mean, my take on it. I hope that uh, we uh, dropped some great intel. I hope that we're absolutely right on every single take and it helps people win some championships, except in our league, because I'm, I'm going to win that one. But um, <laughs> part now, right? Like, so now we're doing this podcast, and this happened last year where it's like I kind of want to draft the guys I called sleepers more so, maybe even reach just to prove a point to everybody else that I'm backing up, you know, what I'm saying here on the podcast, which I might do, and then also not draft the guys I'm saying not to draft. We're not saying not to draft them, we're saying who's the better value. These guys are not, you know, the ADP, the average draft position. Is not where it should be based on what we're seeing and what we feel. So that's, I mean, you said it perfectly there. And so, you know, we're going to have a draft soon. We're going to see, you know, I always tell people, you got to draft to your league's competition. Like you got to, after a couple of years, you start noticing who's who. Who's the guy that drafts the rookies? Who's the guy that drafts like crazy? And then you got to draft to your settings as well. Like you can't. Not every draft is going to be the same because there could be one league that has this quirky statistic or, you know, bonus points for, you know, there's leagues I've been in that is like if you get 100 yards in a game, you get an additional five points or something. Like, mm-hmm. So you always got to keep those things in mind because that could be the difference between winning and losing. Alex, we're two weeks away from, you know, our, our fantasy draft, but also about, I want to say, 15, maybe 20 days away from opening day. So we'll be back in a couple of weeks. We'll give our, you know, MVP predictions, who's going to win every division, who's going to make the playoffs, who's going to make the World Series. We'll be back in a couple of weeks. I have a guest that's going to join us, though. We're going to have a third person on the podcast with me and you to do this. I won't tell you until the day also just – but, you know, we and him both know. You may know by just me giving you that hand that we both are friends of this guy that you probably, you know – Sounds good. Sounds good. Yeah. down, man. Alex, uh, you can follow Alex on Instagram, CarGuyNYC. Also on Twitter, the same thing. You may know you can follow me on uh, Instagram. There's RonRon654 or Fantasy Sports Fiends. We'll be back in a few weeks. Alex, I appreciate you being on again. Thank you. We'll be back until next time. Peace. Later.